0: Nothing about this is luck, boy. This ambition, nothing gets in our way. We on a clear mission. We making plans. We just trying to live society. Working so hard that we growing notoriety, and we born to drive. Yeah, it's inside of me. Eric, Mark, and James, we giving game. They inspiring. Adam, clear with the vision. It's so deployable. You do what you want when you live in life. Unemployable. What is up, everybody? Welcome to
1: Unemployable Podcast. This is a very auspicious moment in our life and careers. This is the first ever episode of the show. And I got to be honest, we are pretty excited to be here. Um, We've just been talking off camera about, you know, all the work that's gone into it so far. And none of us, not none of us, has ever run a podcast before. So um, this first episode is going to be a little bit different to our standard format. Today, what we really want to do for you guys watching at home is just get you to meet the other dudes on this podcast and get to know them a, a little bit so just doing a quick round the table we've got of course to my right eric machado what's up eric
0: well thank you adam and uh, you know uh, thanks for having to see you. Yeah, yeah make, be, sure, make
1: sure you follow close. these guys on instagram which will uh, get the handles out soon and of course we've got mark who's come up today from melbourne but will soon be a gold coast resident with us yeah how yeah
2: looking forward to it looking forward to it great it, to be here yeah. first time seeing the studio today it looks amazing how was it when i walked in for you what did you think oh, it, it's yeah, I mean, looking at it all, looking at the pictures, but being in the room, it's just, um, yeah, it's been it's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's kind of fun. so though. well set up.
1: Yeah. yeah. What about you, James? What was your first impressions when you turned up?
0: Well, I've seen the the progress over the period of time, but, um, you know, when you walk in here and it's in the finished product, yeah, it's it's Pretty mind blowing. Yeah. See, uh, uh, I think there was a, a video that you shot on Insta when you first got the keys. Yes, and it was just a, a shell. We're over Eric, and um, yeah, yeah. To see that, you were in the video actually. Yeah, yeah. To see the that uh, the, the um, shell from zero to where it is today is pretty pretty nuts.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's literally. I mean, this place was uh, used for a sign cutting shop, yeah. so there was like dirt all over the floor, and behind where you are, the wall was covered and oxidized, and that all had to be cleaned up before we got here. This whole wall here is. Uh, was put in um, from uh, from scratch with the builders. It's, uh, you know, the whole thing's been built from the ground up. So uh, it was pretty cool. We've, we've, uh, we've done a lot of work here. Eric and his lovely wife, Jen, were in here with us. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. it was fun. So what we're gonna do to kick it off is uh, get the audience at home to just sort of get to know us a little bit more. And I think a lot of people watching, certainly early on, probably know me and my story. So. I thought it might be cool to sort of each of us uh, talk to each other a little bit about our journeys to be here um, and, you know, what's your background, where you're from, uh, and so on. So let's start with you, James. Get you out of the way first. Sure. <laughs> what, what do you know, Adam? Where, where, were you, where did you grow up and where were you born? What's your story pre-business? I,
0: I'm not, I haven't grown up, so uh, that's going <laughs> to be a good yeah, but... You know, I was born in Sydney. They moved to the country, a little country town called Glen in northern New South Wales, and um, it was there for... Um, Best part of twenty years, then the Gold Coast for ten, North Bondi for ten, which is pretty crazy time. And then yep. been back here for, for the last six years. Yeah. 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 So um So you're a country boy at heart. Well, yeah, you know, there's a, got a few of those uh those traits there, which is good to have. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about like what you're doing now.
1: Like you're in the healthcare space, you're just the quieter company and you're yep. improving it. Yep. What are you doing at the moment?
0: Yeah, so we looked in the um we, I sold a couple of companies year before last and uh, took six months out to, to work out what I wanted to do for the next good five to 10 and uh, spent a fair bit of time researching the sector um, with a, quite a few overlays and uh, landed in the healthcare space. So, and when uh, went about um, um, curating a database of every company in the sector um, and then started a, a proprietary outreach. So small scale M&A and, yep. and landed with a, a business up on the north side of Brisbane. So um, for people who don't know what M&A is, it
1: stands for? Mergers and Acquisitions. Mergers and Acquisitions. So you're looking to acquire companies that you can look at and then see uh, what, what what you know. what's your universe? How do you determine it's a company you might be interested
0: yeah, in? Yeah, so there's a whole – I might even do a segment on that later on, another pod specifically yeah. on it because there's about 15 overlays that I put on it, but in short – um, looking for companies that are um, recession resistant was the first key criteria because I think we're gonna have some choppy water in the, over the next five to ten. Yep. Um, but some, uh, sectors that have got um, a tsunami of demand on the way. Yep. Um, and also, uh, painkiller, not a vitamin, not into shiny object, not into um, you know, uh, want. I want to have must yep. in there. Um, and looking for motivated vendors or sellers. Yeah. Um so um people that um really need to move on. And you like non sexy stuff, right? Like you well, like, I like sexy stuff too, Adam. Sure. sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, yeah. Business here, James. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's it. Not the not all the bad Yeah, no, it's a, not non sexy stuff. Uh but looking for that, um, as you said, um, you know, stuff that's uh business has been around and, and gone through a GFC, gone through a a COVID, gone through a recession or two um and have a good track record with a moat like your dry flush toilet so you've got some exclusivity around that yeah um but the, the big arbitrage is um finding companies that are still running on a fax machine and, uh, and that are using old school marketing methods so my, my sort of jam is is looking at a business um, and pulling it apart and saying, right, where, what's the path to market? How fast can I do this? And generally high ticket is the other criteria I look for as well, something with margin in it. Yeah. Um, I'm not really into mucking around for stuff that's less, less than five grand. Yeah. Um, and so you can afford to outbid a lot of people online when you got high ticket and then putting down um, you know, front end uh, marketing funnels uh, and a sales team. That's the model. Yeah. Um, and so with, with that, we landed in, in this sector and so far, so good. And
1: you've got a business partner as well that works with you, right? Yeah,
0: so what I my, said, my, my front end is more so the marketing, sales, and he's ops. So right. which works quite well to his strengths and, and, and to mine as well. So you create the, the top of funnel inbound. You bet. And then he, yeah. he
1: sorts out the operations he, to make sure it's all growing. Yeah, exactly. What do you guys wanna ask James about his uh, his life so far?
0: What else have you done? Mate, well, it's, it's, it's a very similar model for the, since about 2000 or more, early than that. Um, we did uh, Mass and English show, um, children's um, uh, a proprietary based um, uh, software in the um, Mass and English space. So I've had direct sales companies in home before the internet was around, just knocking doors. And again, high ticket, lead, conversion, you know, presentation to a sales team. From that through to um, uh, a lot of info, sold a lot of info in the stock market um, and um, Forex space, then property. Um, the same again, we um, would um, do project marketing, much like yourself. I think we met when I was at the tail end of that career at uh, Eric we'll talk yeah, you we're talking about- were just getting it. out of some yeah, of your deals. Yeah, we did, it. We did a whole bunch of um, stuff. So we did that and then we were like, okay, if we gonna sell it, why don't we go and uh, develop it as well? So we went and grabbed a couple of blocks of land and um, cut them up from, um, so for effectively from cow paddock to here's the keys, the full, full universe. So DA, BA, uh, sales, in the builder and rent the things and, uh, and finance them and, and uh, hand the keys over. So that was property. And then um, you know, we, got in, uh, we did a couple of deals together, Adam. Yep. You spy, we got a million dollar t-shirt each. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and we built another couple of bits of software as well over that period, sold those, had a couple of e-com businesses and, and that's when I sold that as well and then hung up the gloves and, and then said, right, what do I want to look at? And we'll go and buy some old, boring businesses and apply some new age marketing to them so some of the stuff you're doing in in your current business is just
1: awesome like like for those watching at home you're gonna over time if you keep tuning back into the pod you're gonna learn some really interesting things from james about um automating sales processes that work and lead generation funnels that are just
0: you know Cutting edge and awesome. Yeah, no, we're having a bit of fun with a couple, and it's. I think it's also testament as you can put these decent lead funnel in a a lot of businesses. But if you have a a business that's got true demand, where they're pulling it out of your hand, it it makes you look like a genius when it comes to marketing. So you've got true need, want, um, and whatnot. Like one of our funnels I'm running at the moment, like a lot of leads online in this sector, they're paying three bucks fifty a click. I'm getting leads for three bucks fifty. Like that's an opt-in after a ten question survey, and then get name, email, phone number, and then Booking a call to speak with one of my guys, but, so
1: for, for the same price as other companies are paying for a click, I'm getting. You're getting an actual conversion into a booked call. Oh my god!
0: Oh good. Yeah. That's insane. So, that's so an
1: insane difference. To put that in perspective, I go through hundreds of clicks to get a sale. You're going through.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember when two. we were doing business together, um, and when we were running traffic and spending north of a million bucks a month, and you know we were, getting, we were struggling to get leads for thirty-five bucks a lead. Mm. Uh, a lead. A lead. You <laughs> yeah. know? So it's um again it's not not. Uh, you can look like a genius but when you're in the right market i think it makes a hell of a lot of difference
1: yeah so i'm really looking forward over the time james with the audience at home the reason i uh, asked james to join us is because he's so good at building businesses and that's half of what it takes to create wealth it's it's building businesses which creates two things equity and cash flow and then i also want you on because you're experiencing property so you know, you take that money, you invest in real estate, you've had a load of experience there. So I think you're going to add a lot of value to the audience who are looking to get out of the rat race through a side hustle and efficient use of capital. Um, and that's where I might segue to Mark because Mark, you're an interesting cat as well. You, <laughs> you've got like a really fascinating skill set that brought you know branches, equities as well as real estate and so on. So just maybe tell us a little bit about where where you start in the world.
2: Um,
0: yeah. a little bit about background.
2: <clears throat> so born and raised in Melbourne. Um James I don't know if you remember we actually met yeah. like 15 20 years ago at Anthony Robbins.
0: Date with destiny I do David remember. Destiny, I remember right? the conversation outside the lunch break. And now now we're yeah. here
2: so never would have picked that. But um yeah so born and raised in Melbourne um and you know when I was in high school loved business management got the uh it got a, a perfect study score in business management thought great go on to university and then after 6 months I'm like this is just not for me. I need to get out there and learn from the from the school of hard knocks, and the hard knocks started to come. So, muddled around for maybe three, four years in different businesses, running a cafe, tried to start up an advertising newspaper, and just couldn't connect the dots, couldn't make it work. Um, but a friend of mine that I was I was uh, uh, with a friend at the time, basically she was selling uh, land, and she was telling me how much. Money she was uh, earning selling land, and I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. And so I went across and, and applied for a job with uh, Stockland, and I'd never heard of Stockland. And then I googled them and realized that they were Australia's like largest land developer. i thought, shit, I've got to get this job. Got to get this job. Uh, and then yeah, basically started selling land in 2007. Uh, I call it the the high paying apprenticeship because I was basically um, selling land, investing in land. And, and started to do my own little small developments. Um, went out on my own a couple of times. Basically, the developments didn't work, so I had to go back and sell land again. Um, but, yeah, that, that's kind of my story. And then from there, I kind of had this love and, of the macro picture. Like, I love looking at macro finance. I love looking at the stock market. I love seeing how everything kind of meshes together and how everything in the world is kind of related. And it, it's just amazing how many things actually are related. So.
1: Mm. Yeah. You, but you sold more than the average land salesman. You sold a bit of land.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think I sold close to uh,
1: about 3,000 blocks over 10 years. Wow.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's
1: a lot for anyone to sell of anything, but of land, that's amazing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was a little bit of fortune, but obviously there was you know a little bit of hunger there as well. But you know, after 2007, 2008, when the uh, global financial crisis came about, uh, Melbourne introduced a Thirty-two thousand dollar home buyers grant, and that kind of really started kick kickstarting the um the that new home and land market. And I think Queensland's looking at doing something similar here at the moment. Mm. So yep. yeah, that.
1: And so you've just had a first baby recently as well.
2: Yeah, little Frankie Holiday. She's Frankie uh, Holiday. ten months old, so she's keeping me keeping me quite busy. Yeah, she's a delight. So yeah.
1: But you're also an e-com. Tell us a little bit about your activities in e-com. What have you done so far? Where are you selling? Are you selling on Amazon? Are you selling through Shopify? What are you doing?
2: Yeah, So we we obviously uh, learned about Amazon through one of your reliable seminars. And in 2019, we set up our first brand. So we're selling on Amazon into the USA. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a home and bedding company. Yep and yeah that that basically does over multiple seven figures at the moment and we're just about to launch a wellness brand as well Mm. selling on amazon as well Uh, we haven't taken them off shopify on to shopify yet Still
1: marketplace selling yeah still
2: just amazon yeah
1: yeah so tell us what is macro like for people at home who don't know what macro means like when you say you're looking at the macro picture give us an example of, of 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 macro
2: absolutely so on the way over here eric and i are in the car and we're talking about the price of watches and we're just saying how crazy it was that the price of watches in 2022 went up. But with everything else, they also started to come off. So the share market hit its top in 2022 and then started to come off. Property markets kind of hit their peak at the end of 2022. Uh, Amazon businesses, there was, a, there was a boom in Amazon businesses at the time, and they kind of hit their peak and started to come off. So why is it, what interests me is why is it all these assets peak, run up, and come off at the same time. So, I love trying to find out those links. What are the
1: interrelated activities that are causing these changes? And
2: and then you realize that it's basically cyclical. There's a global debt cycle, there's a global business cycle, and there's a bunch of global cycles that are occurring mm. that are basically touching all things.
1: So you're going to be our, our Ray Dalio on this show and help us out with that.
2: Yeah, that, they're big, big shoes to fill. Ray, <laughs> Ray, Ray Dalio is, uh, is, is a legend, but... But, uh, but that kind of thinking, but, right? yeah, def, definitely, yeah. Because
1: uh, the average man or woman sitting at home is trying to get out of the hustle, right? Learning these cycles is pretty critical, right? Like, where do you allocate your capital and attention at any one time? 100%,
2: 100%. Yeah. It's like, you know, people, people in the traditional financial space will have a go at Bitcoin, and it's like it's all the same thing. Bitcoin is macro. Whether you like Bitcoin or whether you like Apple or whether you like bonds or the different asset classes, they're all interrelated. Mm. So, yeah, try, trying not to have trying not to have that um, personal preference and just staying curious and open to, to why why things are connected and how they're connected. That's what I love. Yeah,
1: so a big a big part of the show that and the inspiration for Eric and I is that to help people who are unemployable or aspire to be unemployable to exit. And it it comes down to understanding what's going on in the macro picture, whether it's a great time to double down on this or double down on that. And we are going to cover, you know, uh, news stories as it relates to our audience, you guys at home. Um, And sometimes there'll be stuff going on, the equities or the Bitcoin markets or real estate and so on. So we've got a really varied sort of story here
2: and and you know you've probably people have probably heard the saying you can't time the market but it's there's some untruth to that because sometimes you actually can if you understand the cycle
1: yeah you definitely can yeah i mean you can't it's yeah in in today's world it's kind of weird right like as a macro guy there must be is there any parts that are happening that you go that shouldn't have made sense but in hindsight it kind of does
2: uh, just look at our our property prices right like Mm -hmm. um the, the rise in interest rates was, was predictable. You could predict that interest rates had to rise because inflation was so high. But I don't think anyone would have guessed that property prices would have held up so well, mm. right? So there's, there's, always, there's always things.
1: There's these other factors that are affecting there's all, things. There's always other factors. And we're going to dive into that, not today, but in another... Uh, episode on, on what's driving Australian property prices at the moment. It's, it's quite fascinating because it involves immigration, it involves a whole bunch of variables that are not immediately obvious. Uh, most people think of the total interest rate driven or whatever. But there's a whole bunch of other stuff.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. All right. What about you, Mr Machado? What's going on in your neck of the woods? Where did you start? Tell us, you know, Like you've come to this country from Canada. What made you move? When did you move? Where were you in your life? And uh, let's go go from there. That
3: was in 2007. So my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, decided to come to Australia to finish her last year of uni. And in Canada, what they do is they advertise places like Australia in the middle of the winter in the hallways with an aerial photo, very similar to this saying, finish your last year of university in Australia. So she did an exchange program. We got, we were, our relationship was getting serious at the time, so I had to make a decision. Do I, you know, leave my family and, you know, the role I was in um, at the time, I was 23, to pursue the relationship? Or, you know, do I stay in Canada and keep doing what I'm doing and run the risk of, I always said, I'm not gonna lose her to a blonde surfer dude, Aussie. <laughs> so, so I uh, came, we came together. We were supposed to here, be here for about 18 months. And I was I was telling people, you know, I'm just gonna sell T-shirts on the beach and chill out and learn to surf and you know just be a beach bum for 18 months. That how old
1: were you at that time? 23. 23. 2007. Sorry, not a lot of capital. Not
3: a lot of capital. No. Um. The 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 whole beach bum thing lasted about a week, and then my background's in flooring, so I was in sales uh, for a flooring company at the time, which were good friends of ours that owned it, and I was doing quite well, you know, um, from you know, back then, but just wasn't overly happy. I wasn't very entrepreneurial back then, to be honest with you. I was really good at sales. I was a really confident, confident kid. Um, you know, I started selling at my, my uh, uncle's uh, flooring shop at 14. You know, back then, before online was a big thing, you, people would walk in off the street and, you know, I need hardwood done, I need carpet done, and you're selling. So 14 year old kids selling to adults, you know, so that, that really built my, my confidence up. So when I got here, um, I applied for a couple jobs and You're on the Gold Coast, on the Gold Coast. Yeah, we arrived on the Gold Coast. She went to Griffith. We landed in Surfers Paradise because that's what us foreigners look at, you know, Gold Coast and it's, it's Surfers Paradise. So landed in the middle of Surfers Paradise, staying in a hotel for a couple nights and then just looked for a place. And during that time, I started looking for a job. And I actually applied for a job at the Harvey Norman Flooring Center in Bundle. Wow. And for a management <laughs> position at 23, which I thought, you know what, this is this is going to be an ideal job. And I got the job, funny enough. And two days before I started, I sat down with Jen and I said, you know what, just something in my guts telling me not to take this job because I feel like if I do it, I already know this. I want to challenge myself a little bit. And I rang the guy, and he was very upset because you know, on two days' notice, I said, I'm not taking the job. Then I went back to the drawing board and started looking in the newspaper. Um, and, you know, SEEK wasn't a big thing back then. And started doing different interviews, a lot of different positions. And I seen one in the shower screen and wardrobe um, business. In Yatala, I called it back then. So I was asking people, how do you get to Yatala? And they're like,
1: (laughs) what do you mean Yatala?
3: And they pronounce it Yatla. 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 Yatla, mate. So I rented a car, went for an interview down to Yatla, sat down with one of the directors of the business that interviewed me and uh, got the job. And I started and it was a uh, small retainer uh, role and then plus commissions. And I didn't have a car at the time. So I actually had to get a loan from Canada um, and bought a $10,000 white Ford Falcon.
1: Nice. The Australian dream. Australian. The, the Australian dream. The Aussie dream, Z right?
3: <laughs> because the position didn't come with a car or mobile phone or fuel. So I had to do that on my own. And then they said, once you hit a certain amount of commission, that retainer will become obsolete and you'll just be on straight commission. So I pounded the pavement with my uh, Refidex looking, looking because (laughs) GPS wasn't a, wasn't a big thing back then. So here I am looking at, you know, C page 20, C 40. All right. That's where I'm going. And
1: so you were just cold calling a business. I was cold
3: calling. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't get any leads. I was cold calling. So what I did is I went to the back of the yellow pages back then and uh, started calling builders or um and expressing my my expressing my interest on tendering their projects from home builders to renovators to some retail and um eventually high rise buildings. So I recall times where Jen and I would drive through Mermaid Beach, Burley, Broad Beach, and she'd have the notebook and a pen and I would look for scaffolding or uh, you know, building fencing. And I'd read her the builder, email, phone number, and uh, she'd write down the details. And then the next day I would just smash the phone. phone. I'd walk onto sites and introduce myself. And obviously with a thick Canadian accent back then, my accents changed a little bit over time. I, I think that's what really helped me stick out, to be honest with you. And that's why I try and still hold on to my accent as much as I can. You got a though, weird accent, bro. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> it's, it's like a it's a child of, a, of, a, of an accent now. <laughs> Bit of a mix. So, um, yeah, one thing led to another, and I started getting some good success doing that. And I was just saving money. You know, we were just in a one-bedroom apartment. We didn't live fancy. Jen worked part-time at City Beach. Mm-hmm. Which is a surf shop here in Australia for all my Canadian fans watching this?
1: <laughs> Both of them. Yeah. <laughs> fans is a strong word for my, <laughs> yeah. my, yeah. my three, <laughs> Canadian, yeah, yeah, <laughs> three <laughs> Canadian fans. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and then. So, Jessica's working at City Beach, and you're literally going door to door as an immigrant. You don't as know the immigrant. difference between Yatla and Yatala. No. And you're driving around a Ford Falcon. Driving around, and, yep.
3: And then. Um, I love this story. Yeah, I just kept driving around and, you know, broadened my areas and started to learn a little bit about Brisbane and Sunny Coast. And in the back of the papers back then, they'd have an area for tenders. So people like Hutchinson Builders and Multiplex and stuff would actually advertise the tenders um, on the back of the paper. So they'd say, you know, Hutchinson Builders, um, you know, Broad Beach, you know, Alexandria Avenue, 86 units and with an email hmm. right and then you'd send your expression of interest and i would just follow up so people always ask me like what's the biggest thing that you were successful at back then that made you different or and i'm like follow up no one calls back in this country mm. even till this day the amount of people that i get to come to the house for a quote or do something and they actually come they show up and then you just don't hear from them yeah so i seen this very early on right so i just followed up and i outworked a lot of people And within a couple of years, I was earning, you know, six-figure, multi-six-figure income Mm. back then, which was a lot of money. But what I didn't do was spend on extravagant things. What I did was invested in real estate and invested in business. When I first came to Australia, I don't know, the fancy cars, the the condominiums, the apartments, the beach, just opened my eyes to, uh, you know... A different type of lifestyle different type of opportunity where i come from is very blue collar it's a place called cambridge ontario in canada it's about an hour west of toronto and it's just a blue collar blue collar town and uh, but it's great you know my dad's construction worker when i was a kid you know and then he got into tiling my mom you know has worked in a factory all her life they come here as immigrants from portugal you know, raised fairly poorly, but always had food and, you know, clothing and shelter. And my parents did as much for me as they possibly could. They put me in sport most of my life. So I played pretty competitive ice hockey and baseball, Um, which I think that really made me show up. You
1: mm-hmm.
3: know, like you're not late for a hockey game. You're not late for a practice. You're not like, yeah. I'm the guy that's like on time all the time.
1: So how did you how did you segue into your own business where where, where did that happen and where like today you you're an investor for those of people watching who don't know you've got a pretty substantial portfolio now of yep. investments um some of them quite successful so how did you segue into let's say mx or one of the deals that you're in now
3: yeah so mx as an example so back i started earning a bit of money yeah um and I started investing in a couple of properties in yeah. my finance broker at the time. She was a very good networker. Yeah. She was going to a lot of networking events. Like she was part of BNI, you know, the BNI yeah. groups and stuff like that. So one of our meetings, I just said, listen, I kind of jumped on the online bandwagon back then, just thinking like this online space is growing. It's new. Yeah. I'd love to get involved in it somehow, but I'm not a tech guy right? at all so i asked her i said listen if you know anybody that's looking for investment in an online business let me know a couple weeks later i got a phone call she's like i want to introduce you to someone and that's when i got introduced to jake who's my business partner and a couple of the other partners uh, that were there at the time they showed me a very fancy prospectus which is basically a um you know glossy brochure saying this is who we are this is what we're doing. This is how we're going to do it.
1: And for the audience at home, what is MX? What were they doing? So like, tell well, us MX about that.
3: door is an online business in the motocross parts and accessories, uh, motocross gear uh, business. Back then they started off as a drop ship model in a very tiny office, half the size of this space, probably a third of this space, to be honest with you, which is quite small. And at the time, they started picking up some momentum in the online space. You know, we're talking 13, 14 years ago, right? So it's, it's quite a while ago. And uh, online's grown a lot since then. But, you know, capturing that in that moment, like it's hard to look back and see where the online space was at. Like I was still using a Refidex. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. this is where we're at. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's people no such thing as GPS they, in a car back yeah, then, Yeah, you know?
1: yeah. You look at it today and people see, you know, the huge warehouse yeah. and 170 yeah. employees yeah. or whatever. yeah. But back then it would have been like you would have no idea that it was going to go to that level. No,
3: so what happened was they were um, having a little bit of success with the dropship model, but back then it was all cowboys with physical retail stores. And the guys with the physical retail stores, the owners complained to a lot of the suppliers saying, hey, these guys don't have a store, no bricks and mortar. They just got an online shop. You know, it's not fair. They're undercutting us. They're undercutting us. So it came to a point where, you know, I was either getting stock supply on, on certain brands, which you'd, you'd have to sell to grow. So they had to make a decision and set up a proper shop front, hold stock, pause systems, staff. Um, and at the end, you know, back then they were they were quite young as well. You know, they were in their early 20s, late teens, early 20s. So that's where that relationship started. And meeting after meeting, um, I then took the punt and invested a fair bit of money back then, which is still a fair bit of money today. And um, I was involved, you know, from the beginning, um, not day to day, but obviously when you're investing that kind of money, you want to keep a finger on the pulse.
1: Was this your first major investment in Australia? First
3: major investment, yep. Other than what I was doing is investing in some property in Canada. So I was making money here and then buying property in Canada because I didn't know the property space here too yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, So the first major one in Australia, yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: And you lucked out with those guys as partners, right? Like they're solid guys.
3: Yeah, solid guys. I mean, we've had some some ups and downs over that time. There's been partners that have come and partners that have gone over time, that have got bought out and whatnot. But what people see now is you know they see the warehouse. They see the, you know, I, I get people sending me all the time, you know, stickers on the back of Utes and the car windows and stuff. Like, oh, look, what are the metrics now?
1: What are some of the metrics now around the business for people?
3: Yeah, it's now a nine-figure business. Yeah, um, which is probably one of the bigger online businesses in the country, to be honest with you. Yeah, the boys have always flown under the radar. MX was never created um, for money. It was to make riding more accessible and make it safer. You know, so there's there's big core values in the business, and uh, yeah, we range between 160 to 180 staff depending on time of year. Yep. We've got a uh, floor space now of about 6,000 square meters in Burleigh Heads, so we we pick, we pack, every everything is in house.
1: It's amazing, right? As a gold coaster I mean, James, you've been here a while as well. The industry that and these companies just weren't here 10 years ago, right in Burley. We've got High Smile, which is a yep. massive, probably a billion dollar company now. You guys, we've got is that KD? That's in they're Brisbane, in,
3: near uh, Logan, Yatala Yital- area.
1: <laughs> yeah, That's now a hundred million dollar company as well. Yeah, and yeah, really? yeah, they're doing really well. And these guys are all in this On sort one of southeast corner. It used to be down in your neck of the woods, Mark. Where it was all Melbourne and Sydney, but it seems to yeah. be really changing.
2: I think the world's changed a lot since COVID as well. Like a lot of well, we we came up and lived here for eight months during during 2021, and we're like, wow, what are we doing? What are we doing in Melbourne? And I think there's a lot of people that are kind of realised after COVID when they don't have to go to meetings physically and they can do a Zoom call or they can work from home or work remotely. That uh, this is a place to be. So there's a real there's a real entrepreneurial community building here, even even Byron Bay for such a small totally. town um, has. You know, per capita, probably so many millionaire uh, entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they're really, really starting to group here. And
3: it's funny. Um. Someone told me before they're like the Gold Coast is the best place to live, if you can make money. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because yep. what happens is a lot of the corporates. You know, you go to school, you go to uni, you get a job, and a lot of them go to Sydney, a lot of them go to Melbourne because that's where the corporate money is. Like, Gold Coast is not built off corporates, right? Gold no. Coast yeah. is built off entrepreneur entrepreneurial skills you know and it's amazing what we've seen well, the, the other chari- week at the that, charity yeah at the I charity mean, you know saying that, shout out to those guys you know the gdp of of the gold coast like third is manufacturing mm.
1: third largest third is largest manufacturing, manufacturing it yeah. blew
3: my mind right
1: industry third yeah. largest industry yeah. in the gold
0: coast now manufacturing yeah it's yeah, unbelievable because we used to be just predominantly property and hospitality that yeah. was it yeah.
3: Uh, yeah yeah tourism you know
2: yeah and like you were saying when you when you guys started mx like online was new Today, in, in a period of 10 to 15 years, we have so many more tools. And now with AI, you know, the average person is also realising that they can be part of this. Totally. Right? And, and the tools are there for anyone to kind of start a, a, a unicorn business pretty, pretty quick. Um, that, and there's going to be a huge transfer of wealth over the next 10 to 15 years as elder boomers start to kind of, you know, hand that wealth over. Yeah. So the, the, the tools there's there's the money and there's the opportunity and and now with um with social media like we when we first started with um reliable we we're so drawn to the community and social media has allowed kind of like that satellite those satellite communities to pop up whereas previously you didn't know where people like you were in the world now now you can find them and you can build relationships
1: build relationships, relationships.
2: right kind of like what, what everyone here's done and
1: that's partly your point about the migration of wealth with boomers. That's sort of what's that's your exactly. space because James yeah. is going to be buying these fax machine businesses, as you call them. Yep. There's going to be, that's going to be such a growing space.
0: Yeah, and also, um, as I said before, finding motivated sellers. Like they can't work forever. And if you're not looking for the, the shiny object businesses or the, the, the sexy businesses, there's often not a succession planning in there as well. So they're literally just throwing the keys back and walking away. I think so. Cody
1: Sanchez said the other day, she says, I love it when I walk into a business and I see a fax machine. I yep. know I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> like
0: I, that's that's I, my dream business I, I, right there. 100. Um, percent And especially simple businesses as well. Um, you know, for the sector we're looking at, there's a lot of um, boomer businesses that are not super specialist. Um, so if you've got half a half a, um, uh, a brain when it comes to marketing and putting in new smart sales and marketing systems, that are, a large, large opportunity. When I sold my animation company in LA,
1: I asked the broker, what's the most profitable business or the best business that you've ever seen that you've sold? Yeah. And, and it was selling rope. Rope. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like he said, these guys were selling rope to, to ships. Like not, not just boats, but like, yeah. lit, like cruise liners and stuff. And, um, and I was like, wow, like who would have thought? Another guy that was selling, uh, you know, those uh, on the runway with the plane stairs. You know, like who would have thought it's just it's so interesting.
0: Yeah. There's, okay. a, there's a business down here just recently. My business partner looked into it a while back and he had the, the market tied up. He was selling uh golf cart cabling. Wow. And it was like 2 million net and like two staff. We were, right. we were business with a few more staff than that, but who would have thought about selling golf cart cabling on yeah. the Gold Coast as a bespoke type of business and pulling two bricks a year out of it. It's yeah. like, how many golf nice. carts
1: from the Gold Coast? Oh, I know. More than you'd think up to Sanctuary Cove sometime and have a look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: there's heaps up there.
1: Right? So, Eric, right. you, you started and you had your first win with MX. You basically invested your cash that you were hustling on the street to get, yep. going door to door, selling doors and windows. Yeah. And um, and you partnered with some great guys. I've met them. They're, they're legendary guys. Super humble, down to earth. MX oh, so started to earth. But since then, you've, you've invested... You know your profits and you're in a whole bunch of other stuff do you want to share just a couple other businesses that you have backed or started or that yeah you own? so
3: i'm a partner in a business called gold coast luxury resorts and gold coast rental properties so a very dear friend of mine i've been partners in that for probably about eight or nine years there was an opportunity to invest in, in that at the time you know did some due diligence there was multiple reasons uh for it at the time and uh yeah, took the plunge again and did my due diligence and, and invested wisely. And yeah, it's the business is growing. It's you know Doing well. the biggest one of the biggest offsite operators on the Gulf Coast. Um my business partner, Chris, and that, he's he's an unbelievable operator. Legend. He's yeah. that's his one thing, you know, he doesn't do anything else. That's what he does, that's what he knows, and that's you know, um big reason for the success of the business. We now got a couple other guys that we've brought in as well, and they're taking it to the next level and helping out, which is amazing. So the team team is growing so massively. What, do
1: what does that business do exactly?
3: So we're in competition with on-site managers. So when you look at, as an example, you know, like Oracle, like these two buildings here, the developer will build the buildings, and then uh, they'll sell the management rights. And in Australia, you look. Of Peppers and Mantra as an example. So they'll sell the management rights for millions of dollars, you know, $30,000, dollars $50,000 a key sometimes. But well, all they're getting is a management agreement, right? So they're only stuck into that manager agreement for a period of time. Where we come in, right, is we, comp- we compete with someone like Peppers. So Peppers, they buy the management rights, but it's a publicly traded company, right? So they have to make sure that they earn enough money to pay, obviously, shareholders and whatnot and they've paid a lot of money for the actual management rights. Where we come is we do the exact same thing as what they do except offsite. So we haven't paid for any management rights, which means we can offer a better commission rate, a better structure to the owner of the property, which then means we could be more competitive on the nightly rate on the back end. So today. you manage,
1: or if I owned a property Yep. And I gave it to you to manage. Yes. You would then put that property onto booking.com, Correct. Airbnb. You yep. would manage the booking, manage yep. the cleaning, manage the whole thing. Everything. And then pay, you take a, a fee.
3: Yeah, we take a fee, and then you guys get paid
1: every month. And it's better for me as an owner to get you to manage it Correct. than it is for me to put it in the long term rental pool.
3: Correct. Okay. And you have, a, and you have access to it.
1: Right. So, okay, so, so you're responsible for the time. housing shortage, basically. <laughs> we are. Like, and this is something
3: that we've been talking about before, going you know, with the property prices going up and lack of supply, what people aren't thinking about is stuff like divorce. Divorce rates are mm-hmm. at all-time highs. Yeah. What happens when people divorce? Mm. Wife needs somewhere to live. Husband needs somewhere to live. Also, you need two houses or two units, not one. Mm. How many units are being taken off the market to Airbnb? Right. right. How many units are just... Being locked up from overseas investors, as an example,
1: and that's in addition to the obvious of having, like, the last 12 months, half a million people migrating to Australia permanently, yeah. uh, immigrating permanently. And,
3: and to me, this is you know touching back on the point where you know why is house prices kind of, why are they so stable and and actually going up at the moment? If you look at the stats, is there's a lot of this reasoning
1: and economics 101, yeah. right? so you got property mm. divorce yep. rates going up, you've got. Um, people coming in, and you've got properties disappearing off the yep. rental market. Correct. We can't build fast enough. I mean, you, you might have some numbers on that market. can we
2: build fast enough? Uh, we, we can't. And now, you know, with everything that's going on in the world, the, the cost to build is mm. also a problem. So, so many builders have gone bust because of that. Labour's becoming a problem. This is, this is why inflation is such a yeah. touchy subject. And, uh, uh, who, and immigration as well. Who, who was it that um, got News Time recently? Um, Gurner. Yeah, he basically he spoke the truth. I mean, he, he did it in a in, in a way that probably wasn't very delicate, but what he was saying is is very true. That you know, if if wages keep going up and and it's hard to get laborers, more businesses are going to go going to go bust. So yeah, we, we can't build it enough. Mm.
1: And the knock on effect of it, right? Like, because you're Canadian, and maybe you can give me some feedback on this. But Canada Canada's been quite liberal with their views of like immigration as well. And you guys immigrated a lot of people, which. Australia is built on immigration. Let's face it. We need it. That's a big part of keeping our property prices up. Yeah. But what happened in Canada? Like, I mean, a lot of Canadians, when I put up a post recently on Insta about immigration, a lot of Canadians go, just make sure you don't go the way that we did because of all yeah, these there's, problems. There's, Are you seeing it? When there's a home?
3: massive amount of immigration that has happened in Canada from multiple How do you see that? Is there a countries? negative side
1: to it? Can you see it when you're there or not?
3: You know what? The way I look at it is this. I look at my parents, right, that immigrated to... Canada back in the uh, late 60s, early, mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, late 60s, mid to late 60s. And they were the workers, mm-hmm. right? They came in and they worked. They took the factory jobs, they took the laboring jobs, construction jobs, you know, that European, you know, massive yep. amount of immigration, right? Now I see, you know, you fast forward, you know, 40 years as an example, 40, 50 years, and things have changed massively, right? And they are now, you know, you know their kids, myself, as, as an example, are second generation, and then there's third generation. And I just don't see them wanting to do the work that my parents did. Like, mm. I don't want to be a construction worker and work in minus 15 degree. You know, like I literally remember my dad coming home with a mustache, right, with snots, literally frozen to his mustache on a daily basis in the winter. Yeah. That's how he came home. Yeah. Like I, I looked at that going, gotta be a better way
1: no wonder they don't want to do that way. do that themselves <laughs> like, you know
3: what i mean but was there so, a housing
1: shortage is what i'm getting at in, is there a housing shortage in canada that you see like this homelessness and stuff like that or is
3: there's it... definitely a housing there's definitely a housing shortage but i think a lot of the agri- immigrants that are coming in right are coming in with the same mindset as like what my parents came in yeah They're coming and here to work, work yeah right the, t- the typical canadian family or western family right we don't want to share a house together I want my own space, I want my own house. The people that are immigrating now are happy to share houses, multiple people in a house, multiple families, and they're all investing together. Mm-hmm. Here, people don't want to invest together because like, oh no, you might screw me over. With yeah. them, it's part of their culture.
1: Yeah, Australians very individualistic.
3: Yeah, same frontier with Canadians. Type That's why Canadians and Australians get to get, uh, get, um, get, on. get on, right? Because we're very similar, you know? And, but the same thing's happening in Canada, but they've went, they've went very, very heavy and, you know, people are complaining about it, but the people that are complaining about it, a lot of the ones are the ones that don't want to make change or don't want to do the jobs that other people are coming in. As an example, our cleaning crew are Brazilians. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Aussies, as an example, uh, I don't want to say just Aussies, but like westernized people, right? Don't want to do that type of work. Yeah. Like you look at one of the students, Desley is an example, she can't get workers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I, like, I think
1: restaurant owners listening to this would be the same. same. I know where most coffee shops I go to now, uh, I'm served by people who are here on visas or whatever, yeah. do a great job. And do I, I just wonder about that sector wouldn't even be able to survive probably yeah. I mean, post COVID.
0: With us when we're recruiting um, lately, it's been, you know, when we put a job ad up, depending where we post it, um, if it's remote, uh, it's a bit different, but um, yeah, just the, you can see who the immigrants are just by name um, and through the interview process. As Australians don't want to do, we've got warehousing, we do just pick, pack and ship and dispatch as well. And finding uh, the Aussie uh, that's going to put their hand up and, uh, and work in, a, in that environment is starting to become very few and far between.
2: I, Mark? Yeah, I was just going like, I like, think, I think, you know, m- millennials definitely get a bit of a bad rap, but but there are a lot of young people out there, Australian people that want to work. Yeah. I think the difference is it's a, like you said it's a mentality right like so uh, back in the 40s and 50s they were coming from greece and italy now they're coming from you know uh, china india and different places australia has been very stable for a very long time these places after the war their currencies weren't so stable so they realized hey we have to buy property we have to buy assets otherwise our, our money is basically going to be devalued now they probably didn't know it cognitively, but they felt it, right? Because yeah, yeah. the price of everything was going up. So they came with a mentality, yes, we want to work, we want to make a life, but it was that mentality to put money into assets. Australia and Canada, the, the local population, it's been so stable here forever. Um, that I don't think that, that I mean, a property is a massive pastime here, but it's not as ingrained as, as what it is to get every single dollar that you've got and put it into property to set yourself up. We want to go on holidays. We, we want we're, to travel. We want to enjoy um, our
1: lives. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, we're, we're, again, this will be a subject we're going to dive into in a, an episode soon, but for young people today, it's just not even realistic because of how much it's moved, you know, in terms of property prices just way outstripping their ability to keep up, which is a, a note for another day. But I think you are right. I mean, there are definitely Australians that want to work, but the world's changed so much too, you know. Like, why would you want to go and do hard labour when you see Logan Paul making... $10 million for a boxing match, or I, I want to be an influencer. Or you see all the girls and OnlyFans, like, why wouldn't you just do that? <laughs> like, when you're young and you're not, you know, fully developed maybe, um, uh, or thought deeply about the future, I had the proper guidance that, you know, that could be um, a much more appealing route to a young person. I'm not saying I would have been any different had I had the same opportunities, you know. But, uh, Eric, I mean, you're, I mean, the positive that, that I get out of hearing your story is, um, I mean... I say I'm Australian, but my parents were immigrants, right? Like yeah. every Australian's only two or three generations of being an immigrant themselves. What I love about your story is I know right now there's 175 people in Burleigh um, that are all employed because you came in, and put up money with a couple of Aussie entrepreneurs, what we'd call Aussies. Yep. You backed them and the, you guys went together and, and, and created yep. massive value to the economy. I think about how much tax that company pays in corporate tax, Yeah, a massive amount. payroll tax for those people. Um, yeah, you know, you're a great case for quality immigration. A lot
3: of weekly wages going up, um, but I guess what a lot of people don't see is, you know, the the ten years of.
1: Oh you no, know, you're lucky, the ups mate. And the downs, Don't you know that?
3: You know the sleepless nights. It's
1: just luck, mate. You know? you're just lucky. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's <laughs> going Easy like, what have say? I? Yeah, <laughs> what have I done? You
3: know, the hard decisions that have had to be made. You know, there was times where, you know, a decision came down to my, you know, last, um, you know, decision. Mm came on me to you know can't really say it but you know and you got to say yes or no yeah you yeah know? and you got to flip the coin yeah uh within reason you know but i always go with my gut with my intuition on a lot of things you know like even when i first met you like i still uh you know remember the day that i met you i remember the phone call that i got and, you know, just building that relationship over time. My intuition just told me, you know, like you're a good guy, you're, you know, and, and successful guy. And that's who I want to surround myself with, you know, and add value to each other's lives. And I think that's a big thing in business. It's not just about money. No, totally. it's never about money.
1: No, no. You well, know? you get that feeling when you meet the guys, you know, Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. they're know? so big on culture down there. And you can feel yeah. it when you go through the factory, yeah. you've got some incredibly powerful systems in place. Yeah. But those powerful systems extend to people as well. And you can see people are fulfilled in their work and there's a sense of culture and meaning and good vibes, which is why you guys are successful.
3: Yeah. And that, and that's what I look at in, in different businesses, you know, like I look at gaps and, and really I invest in people, right? Like that's the main thing. And I've, I've had a good run at it and I feel like I've always been very street smart, right. And not very naive. Yeah. So like when it's too good to be true for me, it's too good to be true. Yeah. Yeah um and yeah I, i've i've had a good run knock on knock on wood Ooh. and hopefully it continues that way but
1: sometimes you know it's it gets stressful at times as well you know now for those watching eric's done a whole bunch of other stuff which we'll get into over time around mm-hmm. property as well yep. you've developed property renovated property started with yeah. apartments you've built 15 story towers yeah. now yeah we've got
3: we've got a real estate business the, the project marketing business yeah. as an example and yeah. You know, which we'll get into, I'm sure, have a time. Uh, at some time, but yeah.
2: Eric, would you say, what would you say your superpower is?
3: Connecting dots.
2: connecting K- people.
3: Connecting dots and putting people in touch. I've added value in James, as an example, in his business. He gave me a ring and said, hey, I'm looking for someone to do this role. And I had a call the week before of someone else saying, hey, do you know anyone that has a role doing this? And I'm like, actually... And, you know, like, this is what I do. You know what I and mean? And I think like that's I, part,
1: partly being an immigrant, right? Like, w- when you come in, you, you hadn't had your girls at that point, right? No. Just Jen, right? Yeah. But when you come in and you've got to make a way a- yep. in a country that's, I mean, it's probably when you got off the plane, right? And you get to surface paradise. What was that feeling like? I mean, coming from Canada, had you been here before? I or was just seeing honestly, the brushes? it
3: felt hot.
1: Yeah, sweaty. Yeah, honestly, but awesome. it was exciting. It was yeah. exciting. You so know? you you come to this country, everything's brand new. There's that yeah. level of brand excitement, new. but you've got to hustle and you've got to get to know hustle, people yeah, and nurture yeah. relationships.
3: Like we came with not a lot of money, man. Like yeah. like people don't understand. Like
1: it's I mean, imagine I the show on the other foot. Cash, you know, I imagine I mean? go like, to Canada and like trudging around. Not we knowing didn't know anybody.
3: Anyone. We didn't know one person. Yeah. Like we landed in the middle of surface Paradise. We didn't know one person. We know two thing. We we knew one one thing for sure was. Jen was going to university the next week. Yeah, That's what we
1: just need. going to Griffith Uni. Right. Just going and to you're Griffith out there knocking doors selling right? shower screens. And I
3: gotta decide what I'm gonna do. Right. And I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna sell t-shirts on the beach and chill out, you know, which like I said, lasted a week and went bananas and
1: So for all the- of our immigrant friends that are watching this, know yeah. that we here at Unemployable are so stoked to have you here and we believe in you because um, you know, it's we're very pro people who wanna work and add value and create businesses, create jobs. Um, and add value to this country uh, it's not here yet but shortly in this corner you're going to see a six and a six foot two kangaroo uh, boxing kangaroo we'll have a naming contest for it but that's what Australia yeah. is all about right a home of wealth and toil where if you put in the work you can actually create wealth and I still believe that's true today in fact I believe it's truer today than it's ever been which is I'm going to ask you guys while I just do this little bit why you wanted to come on unemployable because none of us are getting paid to do this and I'd like you to think about, as we wind this first episode up, why, why did you come on? What, what message? Because right now we have people watching this that have immigrated to this great country. We have young people watching this that are uh, aspiring to do something. I imagine if they're here, they're interested in doing well in life. We have families in the struggle. Some of them are on their, on their way to work, on a, in a car or on the train. Um, some of them are at work, hating their life. Um, and many of them are in the struggle of small business, and it is a struggle. Um, so, what is it that you want to, you know, contribute to their lives? And for me, guys, um, you know, I asked Eric to join me initially, and Eric um, agreed. And then I convinced these two guys because I think they have massive value as well. We just believe in people, and we want to share as much as we can about how to actually get out of the, um, this deal of the rat race, if you hate your job, you know, like how do you, if you hate your job and you don't feel that you're getting the most out of your life, how do you actually exit and how do you make that happen? Um, And so we're going to share with you and bring people on and guests on that can really speak positivity and and strategy and mistakes into your life. But I just want you to know that, you know, sitting there, no matter where you are right now, uh, we have all of this table gotten to where we are from, does anybody have a degree? Do you have a degree?
3: I have a, a college diploma. I did three years in marketing, but it was just college, a not college, university. college, not university. Do
1: you have a degree, Mark? No, no. I lasted six months. Six months? No, not at all. No, so there's no degrees. Like they say, nothing has more degrees than a the thermometer and you stick that up your bum. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, even if you people have said you're not that bright or whatever, there's a lot of people that are pretty dumb that have done really well just by learning the right things. So, you know, that's that's why I'm here anyway. I just want to really... Um, in in inspire people to do better what about you mark like what floats your boat about this whole idea of creating a pod for people that's australian focused originally and then much bigger hopefully in time
2: i mean you know it, it's that whole spirit and attitude of wanting to have a crack yeah um you know I, i've always been someone who's tried to have a crack at things and tried to encourage other people to have a crack at things and just give things a go and, and for, it, for it to be okay to fail and i think you know, sometimes we watch uh, podcasts or we watch our favourite celebrity running, a, these days entrepreneurs are celebrities, we watch them running a business or starting a business and we kind of, we put them on a pedestal and think, oh, you know, it's okay for them but I, I can't do that. And then as as you start to uh, run businesses or give things a go or fail or even have successes, you realise that, that failure is all part of the journey, that uh, imposter syndrome is all part of the journey it doesn't matter whether you're in a room of people who are, uh, have got $50,000 businesses or $50 million businesses, That we're all feeling the same feelings. We all, we all kind of um, have the same self-doubt and we go through the same experiences. So, yeah, I guess just the opportunity to, um, to talk about that stuff in, in, a, in a transparent and, and in a real way, I think, is, is enticing.
1: Yeah, you, you figure out pretty quick, right, that nobody's going to give you permission. It's it's like you're on your own there. You've got to step up. You've got to have a crack. You've got to be prepared to fail. And none of us, except Eric, get through without not failing, right? <laughs> 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 this little bugger over here. <laughs> yeah. What about you, James? What What yeah, do you love about this echoing, whole concept?
0: Yeah, echoing um, uh, what Mark said there as well and um, that um, permission to, to fail and um know and get back up again but if just if we can shed some light to the people at home because entrepreneurialism is a pretty lonely sport even when you're Tough. even when you're in business with someone else there's still elements that you just go who do I talk to who, who's going to answer that question who's been there before who's got the scar tissue um and yeah just the opportunity to share I suppose uh, but also um who do we get to meet along the way on the, on the journey like yeah. it's a pretty the rolodex of people that are coming on the show is gonna be pretty pretty uh Pretty compelling to, to be around this environment. So there's that, um, and just we can help people on the way. If I can just help one person get the put their head back together after it's been pulled apart um, from uh, you know what we call the brown trousers moment in business. Yeah, and um, we all have them, and we have them regularly. Um, so yeah, just um, doesn't yeah, stop. Doesn't stop. If
1: you're watching this on YouTube, guys, drop a comment below. We will read them about what you would like to hear from any one of us or as a group. Like, how can we serve you best out there in the community? What kind of content would you like? What kind of guests would you like? And what would you like this podcast to be that, that is not being delivered elsewhere? Um, this is definitely gonna have an Australian flavor because we're Aussies, but I really believe that Aussie entrepreneurs punch above their weight um, because of where we are. You know, when I moved to America, I was like, people were like, dude, like, cause I was an immigrant at that time. And people were like, You know, man, I've never seen somebody work so hard as you. And I'm like, you guys don't realize how lucky you have it. You've got 340, 50 million people now, I think, um, in the U.S. Um, To have this many people in your backyard that you can sell stuff to is just insane. And I think Aussies are really innovative and our Kiwi friends as well, super innovative. We've just got to get in and have a red hot crack, you know, and, and get after it. Eric, what about you? What floats your boat most about being here on Unemployable?
3: I guess it's giving people hope. Yeah. You know, I I see a lot of people and and, and a lot of people in my mind are walking dead out there. (laughs) Stuck in a routine, you know, unhappy in in many ways in life. And I want to instill belief in people, right, that the magic happens out of the comfort zone, you know, because for me, I didn't have a crutch. There was was no fallback. Mm. My fallback was if it didn't work out, I could go move. Back home with my parents because i was living with my parents that's my fallback that was my crutch i knew i had food and a place to live yeah you know but i didn't have anything else other than that and i want to instill confidence in people i, I was raised as a very confident kid in yeah. sport yeah right my parents were my my biggest fans you know and having the confidence to speak up and shake someone's hand and say hello to them in an elevator you know as an example can change everything you know, and that's probably another superpower of mine is is networking. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then that's why people ring me and say, Hey, do you know anyone that's doing this? Because they probably know I know someone that does as an example. Yeah. Yeah. That I used earlier. But yeah, so giving people hope, instilling belief, and building people's confidence. Yeah.
1: And I want all four of us to push our guests and each other to get into the strat that like one thing I know with pods is I don't like it when stuff is skimmed over. I want to get into details. I want to like get the metrics and understand the system, Stuff that I can actually take away. So uh, let's make a pact to try and really do that, so that people watching can can go, man, that actually I get that all the way through, and I sort of keep it at a high level uh, where we can. If we're doing something that's working, we got to guess it's got something that's working. Let's really drill into it. And um, I think one thing we've got to, as a as a nation in Australia and i've been on this journey myself you know you, we tend to sort of like think that the, you know we've got to keep it you know and there are certain parts of things you got to keep but there's also uh you know something to be said for an abundance mentality you know getting people the best advice we can with as much specific um example as we can so that it becomes something that's a resource like it, an actionable resource but uh, guys we will be watching the comments this is our first ever podcast ever Poor amateurs, giving it a crack. But I reckon we'll get good at this as time goes by. Uh, if you've watched this long, we thank you very much. All I ask is that you like and subscribe. We're going to have to say this every time, right? <laughs> what do they say now? Smash the like button. No, I like, no, don't say like the like button. It's sma- no, smash the like button. So the, the reason, guys, that we want you to subscribe is very, very simple. The more subscribers we have, the better the quality of guests we're going to be able to attract for you. Um, and uh, that's, that's the metric in the YouTube world uh, or any world uh, these days. So if you have enjoyed this very, very early, probably the worst pod we'll ever do version, um, like and subscribe. You can be one of the first <laughs> to, to join the army of uh, unemployable people that we're hoping to build around the world, uh, but please like and subscribe and, and share it with your friends. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a fun, fun ride. So thank you for tuning in, guys. Thanks for being here. It's awesome to be rolling. Thank you. And just a quick shout-out to our cameraman, Greg. Thank you for being here, man. Uh, Yeah. We're going to get a camera on Greg at some point as well because he's the best-looking of all four of us.
2: Let's get him, Mike. He's got a great voice, too. (laughs) Hopefully you
3: can touch us up, eh? Make us look better than what we... Yeah, well, Actually, are
1: he'll do what he can. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's not a magician.
2: Uh,
3: uh,
1: <laughs> Silk purse pigs here, you know. Yeah, that's it. You heard <laughs> the say. All right, guys, thanks again. Subscribe, hit the button, and thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.
0: Ain't nothing about this is luck. Boy, this ambition. Nothing gets
2: in our way. We on a clear mission. We making plans. We just trying to lift society. Working so hard that we're growing notoriety. And we born with the drive. Yeah, it's society Eric, Mark, and James. We
0: giving game. They inspire it Adam Clear with the vision is so deployable You do what you want when you live in life unemployable